0: If you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. Today's guest is a dual citizen of the U.S. and Switzerland. She's also the author of the Polizei Burn series, featuring two detectives, Juliana Linder and Renzo Donatelli. She uh, Her work has been shortlisted for many awards, and she has two books out in this series, with a third coming next year, which is coming very quickly. Um, and it's my pleasure to have with me today, Kim Hayes. Kim, hi. How are you doing? I'm great, and thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, believe me. And uh, it must be late there where you are, Switzerland, right? It's, yes, I here in Bern. It's nine o'clock, but oh, not too late. I'm
1: still, I'm still. Oh, my eyes are wide awake, so.
0: (laughs) Still functional at nine. Very good. Exactly. Good. You have a great website, by the way. I really love all the uh, description of uh, Switzerland you have under the uh, information tab about Bern in Switzerland.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. I tried to put in a lot of sort of strange and interesting facts, like that the Swiss flag is the only square flag besides the vatican's flag every other flag in the world is rectangular Hmm. this is the sort
0: of thing that nobody knows and why should they but it's fun wow but i never i didn't know that that's very interesting (laughs) um so what was it that inspired you to write about the subjects that you picked which are very topical subjects by the way Pesticides and child labor. Yes.
1: Um, well, and in the third book, um, I have homophobia as a topic too. So oh. that's certainly um, I have um, a lesbian activist who's killed in a hit and run. But I realize you haven't read that one. I have, of course. So, but I won't <laughs> go into that. You know, I love to research, and. I like to learn, as you know, most writers do, as most people do. So I often um I, I guess I'm lucky that things turn out to be topical, but it often is I decide to put something in a book that I want to learn more about. So I I I used to write articles here for a Swiss language magazine, and so I had done a, a short article on organic farmers. And when I started thinking about writing a mystery, um, I I already started thinking about, well, I want, you know, what background do I want to give it? And immediately I thought, well, what do I want to research? So I knew that I would like to do more research on on organic farming. And then, of course, I had to think of a reason for an organic farmer to get murdered. <laughs> so, and, and the second book, which involves... Um, a, a really terrible scandal in Switzerland: child labor, um, where children were supposedly fostered out, but really placed on farms almost as slaves from a very young age. Um, into the nineteen late nineteen sixties, early seventies, this was something I saw a museum exhibition on because it was just starting. The scandal was just starting. People were just as late as as the early when a 21st century people were starting to be aware of it and once i saw that i thought it would be something very interesting to talk about and certainly you could one could easily imagine how murders or violence might occur as a result of something like that
0: yes absolutely that that's astonishing i got to say um Linda is a really interesting character because she's always like automatically picking up clues as she goes and kind of filing them into her head, which is something I don't see a lot in uh, mystery writing. The way she, she she picks up these little details and kind of narrates them to you. I thought that it's an interesting approach to bringing the reader into the mystery solving part of it.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad. I mean, obviously, I don't want her to be uh, psychic, you know. So th- the clues have to be there for for us readers. I mean, I'm also a reader as well as a writer, so I'm a mystery reader. You know, the re- readers want to get the clues, see where the clue is coming from. But it sounds like you're saying that it 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 that it works, and uh, you know, they are police procedurals, and I think that procedure and process is really interesting to me in that sense i think i'm more swiss than the swiss or as swiss as the swiss since i've lived here 35 years and um i think i really want to understand myself i mean i want to know how the crime gets solved and i think that's what people who read police procedurals want to know they want to see the process and i think i hope
0: anyway (laughs) I think police are very attentive to that sort of thing. I think that's the the thing. You really are creating sort of like the experience of being a police officer or a detective rather than, you know, a reader as of something that is being solved. If that makes any sense,
1: well, good. no, i'm I'm very glad that the person that you felt as a reader that you were able to. Put yourself into that I think something that's also important to me because I'm interested in moral dilemmas um, mm-hmm. it's, it's in part what I did my so- dissertation in sociology on was to do with moral dilemmas so I feel like you know it to be a police I'm not a police woman or you know a police person but I think you must constantly have moral dilemmas unless you're not unless you're really not a very thoughtful person. And so I think I want to show how the detectives also have to think um, and worry even that they might have made a mistake.
0: Exactly, yeah. There's a lot of thought that goes into it, because the consequences are so great, potentially. Um, How did you become so familiar with police procedure? Did you contact the police? Talk to police officers, do other types of research?
1: I did contact the police and I have gone to the to the police station here, the the very one. I mean, I give the real address, the real one that I talk about in my books. But I'm incredibly lucky that I live in a little sort of a horseshoe cul-de-sac, and I have a very high-ranking policewoman. Um, who's who's higher up than a homicide detective by now as a neighbor, just across the playground from me. Oh and how convenient. She, it is incredibly <laughs> convenient. So she reads my manuscripts and she she I trust her in that she tells me, look, if you if there are some small things in here that aren't exactly what we do. It's artistic license, you know, you it is fiction. But if you write something that would make any Swiss police person fall over laughing or, you know, that's egregious that's really wrong, she she fixes it for me.
0: That's so, awesome. I mean,
1: I make them have a much bigger cafeteria in the building than they really have, you know. So in that kind of thing, she doesn't correct me. It doesn't have to be accurate.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: she she doesn't let me make mistakes. And she also I ask her constant
0: questions. Wow, well, that's good. That's great that you have somebody there. So lucky. That is yeah. fantastic, uh, and a very you... nice person. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's always good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what are your plans for the series? Do you anticipate writing a lot more books, or do you have plans for just to continue writing them as they come to you?
1: You know, it's interesting. You should ask me that. I the fourth one is already written. Um, The third one is, and of course, that sounds impressive, but in fact, you have to be ahead or you, you know, if you people who try to bring out a book a year and an incredible number of very good mystery writers do, I I, I mean, this is takes a lot of work and I'm going to have four and and then I'm going to take a break. So if people people will get through number four and I'm not sure that number five will come out a year later, I shouldn't confess this but um i haven't confessed it to my publisher yet but (laughs) i need a little break
0: (laughs) that's understandable But,
1: um, but i do i do think you know there's a lot more that can be said um about you know i i mean about this couple of detectives i mean they aren't a couple but as you know they um this is a meta story over the series which is that the older woman um police detective and her assistant, who's about 12 years younger, and she's in her 40s and he's in his 30s. They are very attracted to each other through working together. And they're both married with kids. So this is a big struggle for them.
0: I was going to say, yeah, this is a really interesting aspect of the books also that I wanted to get into. What made you choose that particular relationship for them?
1: well it's it's funny because what i first most wanted to do was give them both families i i have i love many police series with a loner with a loner uh po- detective and of course there are a lot of them or detectives with um alcohol problems or who's you know whose partners have left them and and because it's so difficult to live with a police man or woman which i can imagine but i wanted um like Donna Leon's Guido Brunetti, I don't know if you know her series set in Venice. Yes. You know, he has a lovely family, and they're very important to him in his life and in even in his conversations and um when he's solving mysteries. And I wanted my both of my detectives to have families. but, you know, sometimes things just develop themselves. I didn't know at the beginning that I was going to do this. But as I had them working together, and you will, I mean, and it's, it's what happens in real life, you know, two, two people who work very closely together, whose partners can't quite, in, in a case of police, you're not even allowed to really necessarily talk to your partner about what you're exactly what you're doing. Um, they become attracted to each other. So and of course, as I had a great fun having this younger and as you know, very attractive <laughs> man become attracted to my twelve year old his twelve years older boss. I thought, you know, what's what what do they say? What sauce for the gander is sauce for the goose or something <laughs> like that? I figured, you know, this happens to with younger women, so hey.
0: I I found it very believable and and, uh, very interesting. I like the relationship. I think it's great. It's part of what keeps me reading the series, along with just the fantastic uh, storytelling. Um, Thank you. I'm so pleased that you you enjoyed them. I do, I do. Uh, So you are both a Swiss and U.S. citizen. I thought that was interesting. But you've also lived in Canada and Sweden. I,
1: yes, and and Sweden, you know, the fact that I started in Sweden and now live in Switzerland, two swa countries is a complete coincidence. I didn't just <laughs> decide I need to get the set. Um I did a, a year after I graduated from college where I actually went and worked for a while in a factory in Sweden and 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 lived there and traveled there and I was I still have good Swedish friends. Um but that had nothing to do with later meeting my husband, who's a Swiss, um, and actually four years younger than I am—not twelve, thank goodness. But um, so, anyway, as you may know, we because I wrote about it on my blog. We we met on
0: a park bench in France. So um, that's so cool. So nothing. But you're not to going to Swahili. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh let's see i um oh i noticed your bio said that you've held a wide variety of jobs i have also held a wide variety of jobs i have a theory about that i i get the feeling that holding a wide variety of jobs tends to inform your writing in various ways um due to the sheer diversity of people you deal with when you take different types of jobs what are your thoughts yes. on that ha- has, That's has your background informed your writing I background. would say,
1: absolutely. I think that living in lots of different countries, and I, I also grew up in Puerto Rico, although my parents were outsiders. I think um, the experience of being a foreigner, both in Puerto Rico, even in Canada, because it was during the Vietnam War, <laughs> and 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 here, um, it 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 does make you observe in a certain way, and it does also give you a certain distance. Which then makes you into an observer, and I think, um I mean, hopefully not too much of an observer you know i've i i live lived here thirty five years. I feel very swiss, but um but and as far as the jobs go i I think also when you change jobs, i mean if you have to do it too often, it's it's nerve wracking, but you 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 have to observe to adapt, so I think it all a lot of it has to do with um with with um, learning to feel comfortable in different situations, and I somehow think that that informs writing too. That you you know you have a distance and yet you can be close as well. Hopefully.
0: Yes. Yeah. Learning to become part of a new community, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet often never quite belonging which is difficult but (laughs) but at the same time you know makes you more of an observer i think
0: yeah yeah because i've done quite a bit of moving around myself when i was younger and Mm -hmm. it does definitely create a distance of sort from people but at the same time it's not like you don't want to be there or be part of it you know, but but at the same time, you're just sort of like looking at it and going, okay, that's what happens here. I should mm-hmm. be doing these things, or you know, something yes, like and that. and
1: sometimes, let's face it, we're talking about it. You know, like, oh, it's so educational. But sometimes, especially when you're, you know, thirteen, fourteen, depending on when you move, it can be extremely difficult. You know, yes. and 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 it also can teach you. At some ages, it can teach you something about bullying, which, as you know, is a topic in one of my books. So, you know, you learn a lot of interesting things that can become part of because, you know, being the outsider isn't always easy.
0: It is not. But sometimes we need somebody's uh, point of view as an outsider to wake us up to certain things. Uh, Who are your favorite authors?
1: Well, I, I. I do read um, other things besides mysteries very happily. I like science fiction. I like fantasy. I like what gets called literary fiction, although I think plenty of mysteries are literary. Um, I like some romances. So I read a lot of things, but I'll talk about my favorite mystery. I guess I'd rather talk about my favorite mystery writers. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite mystery writers is Josephine Tay who is one of goes back to you know the 30s, 40s, 50s. And I she is was Scottish but British. And she, to me, she's somebody who writes um about people um as as I mean her her not her books are novels. They are not thrillers. And I don't think my books are thrillers. I think they have suspense, but they're not they're not thrillers. She focuses very much on the personalities of her characters, um, the baddies and the goodies, and I think she's great. Another person I like, as I mentioned, is Donna Leon. I think I like her very much, and she's influenced me because she writes about a you know a, a detective with a family living in a, a country that where you want to. You, where the Venice, the, in her case and in my case, burned they're almost characters in the book. The setting is so important. The setting shapes what happens and I love Michael Connelly. I mean, he is, to me, if you write police procedurals, Michael Connelly is your is your god
0: <laughs> because he's just so brilliant. He is good. He is excellent. Yeah. And Don Leon, I, I love her books. I love the Venice setting. Mm-hmm having been to Venice, it's like, oh, it's like I'm revisiting when yes. I uh, read it. Yes. And she yeah. describes it. So, I mean, I'm no expert, but she seems to describe it so,
1: so brilliantly.
0: She does. And and the stories are great. Um, let's see. What advice would you give to anyone who's interested in writing for a living? Ooh. Um,
1: I guess. I should preface that by talking about myself, because I was just phenomenally lucky. Um, I did not start trying to write novels. I, I have written articles freelance, but I could never have supported myself doing that. I. I did a lot of research for them, and I I once figured out that I was probably making you know about five dollars an hour for the time it took me to research and write my freelance articles. Um, not a not a money you can live on, especially not in Switzerland, the most expensive country in the world. Um, I would say, in my case, I didn't start writing till my fifties, and I basically phased out of my job, and my husband supported me. That's It's that simple. You know, There's pre- to pretend anything, I mean, why would I pretend? I couldn't have done it. I, I mean, I ended up writing full time, and I couldn't have done it without someone to support me. But I guess most people don't have that. So I guess what I would say, um, though, is I would recommend to people, if they want to have a career as a writer, to to get a part-time job that they not and hopefully this is you know this is dreaming but that they really enjoy because it doesn't do you any good to be miserable and bored try to find a part-time job hopefully doing some other kind of writing like proposal writing I wrote proposals a lot that I did make money I mean funding proposals for nonprofits um but and then, you know, just do the best you can. When you aren't at your job, write as much as you can. And and um but you know, the idea that I mean so few people can support themselves with writing and certainly not with writing fiction or poetry. I think yeah. so I mean it's it's I'm not would never discourage someone from trying, but you know, I just I I wanna when I think about this, I just wanna mention that I know, I knew, he's dead, but I knew well, a poet, C.K. Williams, Um, he was a good friend of my uncle's, who um, was a Pulitzer Prize winner, and he won a National Book Award, and he wrote poetry, and I know from my uncle that he, until he was about 60, he got a job teaching writing at Princeton. I bet that he was able, to, and he was very successful. But in the early days, first his father supported him. And then his brother, they were both in dust. They were both worked for companies. They were in industry. They just happily supported him. You know, it was like the days of the Renaissance when you had a, a patron. I mm-hmm. think I think it's a very touching story that instead of saying, you know, get off your butt and go get a job and what is this poetry garbage? They both accepted, first the father and then his little brother, that Charlie was going to be a great poet, which he turned out to be, and that they were going to support him.
0: I think that's wonderful.
1: Isn't that touching now? How many people are that lucky? But, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Think of all the famous Renaissance painters (laughs) who had their Medici's to support them.
0: That's right. Yeah. It's a tough. It's a tough business. That's for sure. It's in terms of business, making yeah. money, no matter what anybody out there says, it is a tough mm-hmm. business. Okay. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we finished up?
1: Well, uh, I guess I'd like to mention the names of the three books. Please Although- do. I think you did, but and I realize that some people are listening to this on a podcast, but I thought for the people who were watching it, I could hold up the books. Is that, can I do Excellent. that? Excellent. <laughs> Please do. Okay. So the first book, which is about the organic farmers, is called B- Pesticide, because obviously organic farmers do not use pesticide. And that is the first one, it's the one with the cabbage on it. I love that, and cover. the second one, <laughs> I do too. I think it's great, and I have Jen. I have to say, Jennifer Doe is the name of my the person who signs my covers, and I think she's brilliant. And the second book, Sons and Brothers, is very much about. There's a a father, a a man in his seventies who who is beaten up and drowns and drowned at the beginning, and his son is suspected, his estranged son. So it is very much about sons and fathers and brothers, some some sisters, too. <laughs> and the third book, which hasn't come out yet, has a bicycle on it because the, um, a woman is killed right at the beginning. I'm, it's not a spoiler, in a hit and run when she's on her bicycle. So that uh-huh. is how the first, the murder, occurs and at first they don't know it is a murder but so i have given that away but you find that out you figure with my two detectives involved it's probably going to become a
0: murder yeah <laughs> so yeah
1: there they are
0: yeah a bit of a hint they're a bit of a spoiler i mean you're reading a mystery right <laughs> yes exactly so yeah Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here and talking with us about this because your books really are great and uh, I hope that everyone will check them out. Thank you.
1: I'm so pleased that you enjoyed them and of course I hope people do. That's why you write books when you're a writer. You want people to be entertained by them.
0: That's it. Amen to that. So uh, on that note, uh, I'll just say um, if you're listening, Please leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And um, tell all your friends about the podcast and your family and the guy next door and his family, and I'll stop there. (laughs) So next time, my guest will be Jason Capcala. Until then, happy reading and happy new year. Hello, 2024. Be seeing you.